us a shout of praise as long as you can. Come on. Amen. What an amazing, powerful time of worship. Come on, let's encourage our worship team, production volunteers, all of our volunteers. I want to take a moment and welcome all of our campuses all across Miami-Dade, our West Kendall campus, Doral, Homestead, uh, Redland, Coral Gables, and downtown. If you're watching us online as well, uh, Christ Fellowship Palmetto Bay, can we give it up for them as loud as you can? Well, today we continue this series that we've entitled Storytellers, and my name is Carlos, and I get to serve as one of the teaching pastors here at Christ Fellowship, and so if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Mark chapter 4, and we're going to begin in verse 26. How many of you are ready today? All right, amen. Here's what the Word of God says in verse 26, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts, and what? Say it like you mean it, and what? And grows, and he knows not how. Amen. Well, you can have a seat now at all of our campuses. And You know, many of you may know this about my wife and I. We've been married for over eight years, and we have three beautiful uh, children. It is a blessing to be a dad. But sometimes it can be very difficult. Amen, parents? Come on, any parents out there at one of our campuses? Yep. And so our children, last weekend, we celebrated my middle son's, Nathan's sixth birthday. And we went to one of his favorite places to go to, and it was Disney World. Yeah. And so he was so excited about it, and we were celebrating. And this is a picture of Nathan and I, and so of us about to ride one of, the, one of the rides. And you know, one of the things about children is that you don't even notice how they grow. You don't even notice when they grow. You see, as a parent, when you go to Disney, you can't wait for your children to be tall enough to, to ride all the adult rides. Because you get tired of riding the kiddie rides, You get tired of riding like it's a small world after all, or the Dumbo ride. And so finally this time, for the first time, Nathan, my middle child, was tall enough to ride these rides, the adult rides. So for the first time, he went on Splash Mountain. For the first time, he went on Big Thunder Mountain, and he went on Tower of Terror and the Slinky Dog ride on Hollywood Studios. So we were having such a great time. But then it hit us. My wife and I, we started thinking about it. Wow, time flies. See, I remember six years ago, my little child, Nathan, was only seven pounds, nine ounces. And now he's over 43 inches tall. How did this happen? You see, one of the most primary concerns for every single parent, for every single father and mother, is that your child, it's that your son, that your daughter develops and grows well. You want them to grow physically. Not only do you want them to grow physically, you also want them to grow emotionally. You want them to grow intellectually, to thrive in school and to do well in their education. And most importantly, you want them to grow spiritually as well. You see, growth and development is one of our concerns as parents, for our children. Now, let me bring all of that over 
to our message for this weekend. Because just like our primary concern for our children is their physical growth, just like that, and this is our big idea at all of our campuses, this is the one takeaway, just like that, our Heavenly Father's primary concern for his children is our spiritual growth. Our spiritual growth. But maybe you've been walking in here, you walked in here today and you've been a believer for a long time and you gave your life to Jesus many years ago and perhaps you're thinking, Pastor Carlos, I'm tracking with you, but how do I know that I am growing spiritually and how do I develop, how do I mature in my walk with Christ? Well, we're going to find out today as we go through this passage in Mark chapter 4 and so we love uh, to take notes here at Christ Fellowship, and so make sure that you take out your smartphone, whatever phone that you have, whatever device, and pull out the app. And here's the first point that I want you to write down today if you're watching us online. Faith begins, spiritual growth begins with a ready heart, with a open heart. Last weekend, our campus pastor from our West Kendall campus, Pastor Van, brought a phenomenal message. Can we encourage him? Come on, at all of our campuses. And Pastor Van talked about the four different types of soils and how the seed falls on these kinds of soils. Well, this one, this message, it's gonna be, we're going to be focused more on the last soil, which is the open heart. This is the one that the seed grows. So with that in mind, let's go back to Mark chapter 4, verse 26, and this is uh, the narrative that we're going to study today. And he said the parable, and he said, the kingdom of God, this is Jesus speaking, is as of a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. Now, I want to give us some context to set up the content and the teaching uh, for this weekend. Because a parable is not something that actually happened. It's not a historical event or something that took place. But rather, a parable is an earthly metaphor that Jesus uses to illustrate a kingdom principle. Now, when Jesus says this narrative, there is a massive crowd, says this parable, there is a massive crowd that is listening to Jesus share this parable. I've shared this before that wherever Jesus went, there was always a crowd because they wanted to see what was the next miracle or healing that he was about to perform. So Jesus gives this parable, and in that crowd, there are two different audiences that are listening to this parable. One of them is the zealots, and the other one is the Pharisees. Now, why is this important? You see, because the zealots, they were preaching a kingdom that in order to establish the kingdom of God, it was through violence. They wanted to begin a revolt against the Roman Empire. And so they were saying, in order for the kingdom of God to come, we need to fight against the Roman Empire. We need to take over. The Pharisees, on the other hand, they were preaching a kingdom of legalism or of religion. In other words, the Pharisees were saying, in order for God to love you, you need to change the way that you look. You need to change the way that you dress to change the way that you speak. In order for God to love you, it's all about outward appearance rather than inward transformation. 
And so these kingdoms were being preached during Jesus' time. And so Jesus is saying, no, 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 wait a minute. The kingdom of God is not about being violent and starting a revolt against the Roman Empire. And it's not about legalism. But here is how the kingdom of God is to be established. He says, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter. Say with me, scatter. scatter. Say it like you mean it, scatter. 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 Thank you, Nigel. Awesome. He's back. Come on, let's give it up for Nigel. Yeah. Love him. So scatter seed on the ground. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to circle or underline that word scatter. We've told you many times that the New Testament was first written in Greek and then translated into other languages. And that word scatter in the Greek is the word valo. And it actually means to throw a thing not caring where it falls. To throw a thing not caring where it falls. Now let's go back to that verse. It says, now the farmer scatters the seed. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. Now, so what Jesus is saying is the kingdom of God is like a farmer, a man, who just throws seeds. And he doesn't care where the seed falls. He doesn't care where it lands. He's just scattering seeds. He's just planting seeds. He's just putting seeds. Doesn't matter where it falls. And then the farmer goes on with his day and watches a little bit of Netflix, eats some lunch, takes the children to school, picks them up from school, goes to sleep. And without his intervention, the seed what? Sprouts. And grows. So what is Jesus trying to illustrate in this parable? That if you are a child of God, our responsibility is to plant the seed and scatter the seed. Every time you pray for someone, guess what you're doing? Planting the seed. Every time you send an encouraging message on Facebook, planting the seed. Every time you give out an invite, guess what? Planting the seed. Every time that you invite someone to church or you pray for them or you share the gospel with them, you're planting the seed. That's our responsibility. God is the one that brings the growth. God is the one that grows that seed. It's not our responsibility to change people. Why? Because when we're dealing with lost people, we're not dealing with skeptics who need to be persuaded. We're not dealing with bad people who need to become good people, but rather we're dealing with spiritually dead people that need to become spiritually alive, and only God can do that because that is a spiritual thing. If you believe that at Doral, if you believe that at Homestead, if you believe that at Redland, give Jesus a shout of praise. Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, I planted the seed. I started the campuses. I started the church plants. I started a ministry. Apollos watered it. In other words, he was the one that shepherded the people. He married the people. He counseled the people. He did the funerals. But make no mistake, even though we did our part, but what? But God made it grow. 
Come on. How many of you are thankful that someone planted the seed in your life and by the grace of God, you are here. You may not be where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. I am thankful people planted the seed in my life. You know, seven years ago, I got ordained here at Christ Fellowship, and it was one of the best days of my life. Thank you. And I was so thankful, and I posted a picture on Facebook, and people were encouraging me. But there was this one lady who, was, who knew me when I was about 16 years old, and she was the youth pastor's wife, and she would be in charge of the camps that I would go to. Now, just to give you a little bit of my background, I grew up going to church, and I would go to summer camps. But I was a very hyper kid, expressive, and I would do pranks and pillow fights and start stuff, you know? And so when this lady, she knew me when I was 16 years old, she saw my post, she said, Carlos, a pastor? Wait a minute, really? Question question mark, question mark, question mark, I was like, God bless you too. Is the church putting me on trial? Are they testing my character right now? I'm like, listen, thank God that someone planted the seed in my life. Thank God that my mom never lost hope in me and she continued to plant the seed in my life. I had youth pastors that continued to plant the seed in my life. I had mentors that continued to plant the seed in my life. And once that seed begins to sprout, once you give your life to Jesus, once you repent from your sins, once you confess your sins to the Lord, once you place your faith in Jesus, the Word of God says in Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this, that he who began the good work, well, what? Bring it to completion. Who? God. Romans 8, 1 says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. John chapter 10, verse 28 says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and nothing will snatch them out of the hands of God. Nothing, nothing. Now, Pastor Carlos, does that mean that once I give my life to Jesus, I can just do whatever I want and live like hell, be outside of the will of God and live a licentious lifestyle and be enjoying and indulging in my sin? No. Paul says in Romans 6.1, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? What does he say? By no means. By no means. By no means. You see, I want you to write this down at all of our campuses. Saving faith is growing faith. Saving faith is growing faith. If your faith is not changing you, maybe your faith has not saved you. If your faith is not changing you, Maybe your faith is not saving you. Let's go back to that parable. The seed sprouts and grows. The earth by itself produces by itself first the blade 
then the ear, then the full grain. The seed sprouts and what? Grows. And then there is a process. First by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 2 verse 12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Notice how it doesn't say work for your salvation. Don't work to obtain your salvation. That's only through grace and faith alone in Jesus Christ. But rather work out your salvation. In other words, work out the seed that has been planted in your life. See, saving faith is growing faith. See, anyone can start coming to church. But not everyone continues coming to church. Anyone can start a Bible reading plan. 2020 was a difficult year, and this is 2021. I'm going to thrive spiritually. I'm going to do it. I'm going to read God's word. Anyone can start a Bible reading plan, but not everyone continues a Bible reading plan. Anyone can start going to small group. Anyone can start serving, but not everyone continues to serve. See, the proof of genuine faith, it's not its intensity of the beginning in the beginning, but rather its endurance to the end. Let me say that again because half of the room got it and maybe you didn't get it at the campus. The proof of genuine faith is not its intensity in the beginning, but rather the endurance to the end. And this process that we are growing in our faith, theologians refer to it as sanctification. Say with me, sanctification. Say like you mean it at all of our campuses, sanctification. And it means the process of becoming more like Jesus. The process of becoming more like Christ. Now you may be thinking, Carlos, 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 listen, listen. Sanctification. That sounds too sanctified. That sounds too perfect. That sounds too reverent, too holy. You see, sanctification is never about perfection in life, but rather sanctification is about the direction of your life. What direction is your life heading in? You know, I lived in North Carolina for five years, and at the age of 20, a group of friends and I, it was four buddies and myself, we went on a road trip, and we went to the mountains to go whitewater rafting. And it was our first time, and we were all excited, and we're coming back, we're, we're driving on I-40, uh, heading east, back to Raleigh, and we were by Asheville, and so we're driving back towards Raleigh, and we pull uh, out of an exit, and we go have dinner, and we go to Waffle House. And so we're having a great time as a group of guys, and we get back in the car, we start joking around, listening to music, sharing stories, sharing a little bit of what happened and our good times in, in Asheville. And as my friend is driving on I-40, East or driving on I-40, I noticed on the exit sign that rather than the numbers decreasing, becoming less, they started increasing. And then I noticed, as I looked at the different exits that were coming our way, the signs, I noticed that we were not going back to Raleigh, but instead we were going back to Asheville. 
My friend, I was not driving, I promise you, took the wrong ramp, and instead of going the direction that we needed to go to, we were going in the wrong direction. See, we got distracted, and we didn't even realize that that was happening. Can I tell you, that is an image of what can happen in our lives, in our Christian walk. Without us noticing it, we start hanging out with the wrong crew, the wrong groups of friends, and we start going in the wrong direction. We start dating a guy that is not following Jesus and is pulling you away from the things of God. You start going in the wrong direction. Oh, you've been married for some time, and all of a sudden you send a text message to a coworker from the opposite sex, and it's a flirtatious comment. You start heading in the wrong direction. Life gets busy. I work too much. You know, we have soccer, basketball, and ballet, and projects, and I'm working overtime, and I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time to read God's word. I don't have time to serve. You start heading in the wrong direction. And then oftentimes we ask ourselves, why is my seed not growing? Well, the Christian walk, they're going to be setbacks. And it's never been about perfection, but rather about direction. So my question for you today is, what direction is your life heading in? What direction is your life heading in? Because very easily we can start getting distracted and easily the things of the world begin to pull us and we go into places that we don't want to go to. So you may be thinking, Pastor Carlos, I'm tracking with you and I'm totally getting with you. But how is it that I walk in the direction that Christ wants me to walk? Well, I want you to write this down as your next point for today. Walking in his will. Amen. Walking in his will. Look at what the word of God says in Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his what? Will. Of his will. And what's God's will? First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God. Oh, your sanctification. The will of God is your success. Your achievements. Your dreams. Your sanctification. You see... We live in a culture that is more obsessed, infatuated with success than our sanctification. God, my goals, God, my dreams, God, my career, God, my ambitions, and we're so consumed with these things. Now, I'm not advocating against those things. Those are good things. But when a good thing becomes the ultimate thing, it has become a bad thing. And oftentimes, we are so consumed with the what's of life. What school am I going to go to? What career path 
should I take? What guy should I date? What job do you have for me, God? What home should I purchase? And God cares about those things. He does. But God cares more about who you're becoming than what you do. God cares more about who you're becoming than what you do. In other words, next time you pray, God, 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 bless me with a promotion, that's a good prayer. But how about praying, God, help me to become a better employee so that maybe you can open up the opportunities and the doors for me to obtain that promotion. God, 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 bless me with that guy. I have been single for so many years. I want that guy. I want that guy. I want to get married. Everyone's getting married. I want that guy. That's a good prayer. But why don't you pray, God, help me to become the woman of God or the man of God that you've called me to be. So when that guy shows up, I can be ready and him and I can have a godly relationship that is an example to others around me. God, 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 I want a bigger home. God, 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 bless me with that home. That's a good prayer. That's fine. But how about you pray, God, help me to become a spiritual leader at my home so I can be the father that you've called me to be so that I can lead and serve my wife well. And all the ladies say amen at all of our campuses. Doral, West Kendall, come on. You see how this works? We're so consumed with the wants of life. And God is saying, I'm more worried and more concerned about who you are becoming. And so how do we walk in God's will? By obeying God's word. Write this down as your next point. By obeying God's word. Look at what the word of God says in Psalm 1 verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, on his word, he meditates day and night. And then the word of God says in 1 John, 2 John 1, 6, and this is love that we read God's word, that we listen to God's word, that we walk in obedience to his commands, to his words. That we walk in obedience to commands, to his words. You know, oftentimes we want to go deeper, deeper, deeper in the word of God. I want to learn more, pastor. I want to learn more about covenant theology or dispensationalism or, you know, I just want to go through the book of Romans verse by verse. And and that's good. But I want to remind us today, deep is not what you know. Deep is what you do. Deep is not what you know. The Pharisees knew a lot. Oh, they knew the Old Testament. And they can quote you any verse from the first, book, first five books of the Old Testament. The Pentateuch, the Torah. Deep is not what you know. Deep is what you do. And oftentimes, we want to go so deep in God's word. And God's saying, why don't you go deep? And scattering seeds so that the seeds can grow. Amen. But I know some of us, hey, we have a hard time probably reading God's word. And maybe you're like, Pastor Carlos, 
I tried reading God's word and I get confused and I don't understand it and, you know, I get lost. I don't even know where to begin. And I've mentioned this before. We don't only want to give you the theology behind something, the why, but we want to give you the how to do what God is calling you to do. So here at Christ Fellowship, we have these incredible resources. You can go online, cfmiami.org slash road, and it's, uh, we have a small group study, four-part small group study called How to Study the Bible. It teaches you simple principles to study the Word of God. We understand that it can be challenging at times to understand God's Word. We also have this method to learn and read God's Word. It's called road. Say with me, road. Say like you mean it at all of our campuses, road. Read, observe, apply, and depend. And so this is just a method to help you walk in God's will. So I want to encourage you, whenever you have a time, go to cfmiami.org slash Bible, and you can get these resources so that you can continue to grow in God's will. So the byproduct, once you walk in God's will, once we start obeying God's word, the byproduct is that you begin to Bear fruit. In fact, write that down as your next point. Bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. And here's what the word of God says in Galatians 5 verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Notice it's the fruit of the spirit, not fruits of the spirit. It's singular. In other words, this is the character of God. And when you walk in his will and you obey God's word, the byproduct is that you exemplify these characteristics. In other words, if maybe you're in a waiting season, guess what? You can be patient in the Lord. Maybe there's a coworker that's driving you crazy. Guess what? You can be kind to that person. Maybe there's a sin that you've been battling with. Guess what? You can have the self-control to overcome that sin in your life. It's the byproduct of walking in God's will. This is the internal fruit. You begin to bear, this is, you begin to bear fruit and exemplify the character of God. And not only that, one of the ways that we bear fruit is by serving others Why? Because we want them to experience the joy and the love and the compassion and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that only comes through Jesus Christ. Which is why this Saturday, you guys are a rowdy bunch, man. This is amazing. So this Saturday we have Big Serve Day. At all of our campuses, we're going to have an opportunity to serve our community to love on our community, every single community, every single campus. And it's very easy to sign up. Your campus pastor is going to give me more information, but you can go to cfmiami.org slash big serve. We're going to have an opportunity to scatter those seeds. Scatter those seeds. Every time we give a goodie bag, we're what? Scattering the seed. Planting a seed. Every time you put mulch in a school, you're planting a seed to the students and the teachers and the administration and the staff of the school. Every time you pray for someone, you're planting a seed. 
Every time we go serve as a campus, as a church, we're just scattering seeds. Scattering seeds at West Kendall. Scattering seeds, scattering seeds sorry, at Redland. Homestead. Coral Gables. Downtown. Palmetto Bay. It's not our job to change people. God is the one that brings the growth. Our job is to plant the seed. So what direction is your life heading in? And here's the last point that I want you to write down today. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for some time. Or maybe you gave your life to Christ a couple weeks ago. Here's the next point that I want you to write down today. Remain in Christ. Remain in Christ. Look at what the Word of God says in John 15, verse 4. Remain in me. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He's about to be crucified on the cross. And he knows that he's no longer going to be with them physically. But he says, I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will what? Bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do some things. You can do a few things. You can do nothing. Nothing. A friend of mine was telling me a story. He was about to get married and he was a little nervous about the commitment, the lifelong commitment that involves being married. And so his grandfather, who was a pastor, had been married for over 60 years with his grandmother. So he met with his grandfather. He said, Grandpops, Grandpops, I'm nervous, you know, a little anxious, excited, a little worried, concerned, you know, what advice do you have for me as a young guy? How? Did you stay married for such a long time, for over 60 years? And this young guy, my friend, thought that his grandpops was going to give him, you know, I, you know, a Bible verse. Tell him, hey, I read God's word, Ephesians 5, or, you know, I read these books on marriage, or, you know, I went through counseling. So he was waiting for an epic answer from his granddad who had been married for over 60 years. But he gave him one of the most simplistic answers. He said, son, I just remained coming home. I just remained coming home. In the bad moments, when we weren't doing well financially, when we weren't doing well with our marriage, when we were struggling, guess what I did? I just remained coming home. I remained sleeping in the same bed with my wife. I remained being with my wife. I remained coming home. And I think many of us need to be reminded of that today. Just remain being faithful to Jesus Christ. Just remain reading God's word. Just remain praying. Just remain serving. Just remain going to a small group. Just remain being faithful. There are going to be challenging seasons in your life. There are going to be difficult moments in your life. And Jesus is saying, 
Remain in me. Remain in me. Christ before me. Christ in me. Christ behind me. Remain in Jesus. I want to invite everyone to bow your head and to close your eyes. In this room, if you're watching us online, if you're at one of our campuses, Father God, we come before you and we recognize that we need you more than ever, Lord. God, we are so grateful for your love and your mercy and your compassion. God, thank you, Lord, because saving faith is growing faith, and it's one that lasts. As everyone has their head bowed and their eyes closed in this room, maybe you're here joining us for the first time, and maybe you have never given your life to Christ. Maybe people have planted the seed in your life, but that seed has never grown to anything. And perhaps your life is heading in the wrong direction and you're far away from God. My friend, I want to remind you today that God's hand is never too short to heal or to save you. And God wants to save you from your sins today. It's a prayer that God will always answer with a yes. There where you are, seated where you are, you have an opportunity today to make a decision to follow Christ. It's not the prayer that saves you, but rather the condition of your heart. And God wants your heart. He wants your life. If you're making that decision, you're like, Pastor Carlos, that message was for me. And I want my life to be heading in the right direction. And I want to give my life to Jesus there where you are. If you're watching us online, if you're in this room, if you're at one of our campuses, as everyone has their head bowed and their eyes closed, I want you to raise your hands right now in this very moment so that I can take some time so that we can pray. God bless you. God bless you in the back. God bless you in the front, man. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You put your hand down. If you lifted your hand, or even if you did not lift your hand, but you're like, Pastor Carlos, I'm making that decision to commit my life to Jesus. I want to lead us in a prayer. Father God, we just come before you, and we recognize that we are sinners that I am a sinner in need of saving. Jesus, I believe that you died, that you were buried, and you were raised from the grave for my sins. And today I place my faith, my trust, my hope in you, and I repent for my sins. Be my Lord, be my Savior, be my everything. From this day forward, I will live for you and you alone. It's in your holy and precious name that I pray, amen and amen.